Hello, Richard. Hello, Alan. Good to speak again. Alan, we thought that today we would talk about vulnerability in relation to the internet and social media. When we spoke last time, we were thinking about financial vulnerability, but it seemed like so much of our life now is uh, lived out through the internet. And for many people, extensive use of social media. And I wanted to get your views on that in relation to what that's been like for someone um, following a brain injury and what maybe some of these those issues have been. Yeah, good to speak again, Richard. I think that social media for everyone in this day and age is 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 highly complex and in some cases can be quite dangerous. And some someone like myself who suffers with a brain injury and who has a few kind of issues around social skills and knowing what people are trying to say and how they're saying it and coming across clever and, and all this and the rest of it, um, it can be even more tricky for people like myself. Um, and as much as I've recovered as well as I have, it's only because of the mistakes that I've made in the past. Um, so going by kind of one of my times where I kind of got in trouble for it as well is, um, for example, when you're getting to know someone online, like we think the picture that we see in front of us is them and that there's gorgeous goddess and they, they say everything that you want to hear and need to hear and think that happens in sort of like fairy tales. And then in some cases they start asking for like photos and in a certain way, dress with certain things with nothing on and this way, this way, and all this kind of stuff. And there, there was one time where I was caught out um, and obviously I sent some pictures that I'm not, too too proud to kind of talk about in depth with but um basically i got in trouble um with the police um but thankfully um after investigations were complete uh, i wasn't charged or anything because um it wasn't actually me that the photos that were reported of um uh, and basically someone had tried setting me up with a photo that that was explicit, but wasn't from me, as I hadn't sent anything in the first place. Mm. Mm. It does sound, as you're talking, Alan, I'm thinking, gosh, it, the risks are very high, aren't they, in relation to um, information we might share on social media. And you talked about it being complex and dangerous, and I think they're really good words, because uh, sometimes the complexity means that we might do things that we're not really kind of aware of the element or or the extent of the danger. And that example that you gave is probably a case in point, because I dare say when you actually did it, you weren't really thinking about what might happen kind of down the line. Is that probably fair? It was difficult to know. Yeah, what... like it is, it's very fair, the point you make there. And obviously I'm male, so I've, I've got specific bits on my body part like most men. Um, but like... like my hair colour is quite a big is giveaway, like I say, and and obviously when when investigations went on, they they clearly found out it wasn't me because of, like I say, my hair colour is is quite obvious. So, like, I'm not trying to say to you that it was me and I got away with it because the the hair colour is different. Like, well, what I'm trying to say here to you, Richard, is is it could have been me if if I had the same hair colour that was in the photos, but thankfully, the police kind of like put two and together to and and found out that it wasn't actually my photos that this person had received. Before, when you were talking, Alan, you said about people almost pretending to be someone that they're not. And I wondered if you could say something about that because some people listening to this 
might not fully understand or appreciate what you're talking about. Other people probably will, I think. Uh, but what's that about? Why would someone do that? So, for example, um, I used to use um, a social app which is called Snapchat, and you can add pretty much anyone, really, friends of friends of friends of friends of friends. Um, you could get talking to someone that you might never know, might never meet, and might never bump into kind of thing. But because it's a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, you two are connected. Um and basically, I got talking to this person, and uh, like things were going well. And like I say, she was kind of saying everything that I kind of wanted to hear, and as a man needed to hear, sort of thing. To think that trust could be built between us both, and um, yeah, kind of the end game was that the person I was talking to was was actually not the person that I met when I eventually met them, and um, that that from. A, from the other side of a screen, it's so easy to get drawn in to something that you, you're really kind of looking for or that you're really hunting for or something that you really kind of want. And like I'm referring to a time where I was quite young and obviously I'd been single for a number of years, I'd been out of rehab at this point, and I thought I was ready to, to find a partner. And um, like I say, kind of every bit of interest to me was like a, a dog and a biscuit like I was so interested and kind of like ears just went back and I just kind of ran at the biscuit kind of thing because that's what I wanted but just because it's something that I want that doesn't mean that there's not going to be any um challenges or things that kind of get in the way um in this in the sense of what I'm trying to say is like just because we want it it doesn't mean all the dangers are going to clear out the way because for you to get there quicker like because you want something so bad, the, um, the the potential of mistakes will probably be higher. Yeah, it, it's almost as if our vulnerability is greater, isn't it? I think that's a good point, Alan, that the more that we want something, the more important something is that might increase how vulnerable, how vulnerable we are in relation to... Um, our interactions with other people because I suppose the important thing to to maybe appreciate here is that this does involve other people it's something that maybe has to be based around trust and it strikes me that on a, a lot of internet and social media um, communication platforms that that trust is is really um, has the potential to be abused significantly it, it it's almost as if you're placing a huge amount of trust in people that you often don't know anything about yeah and see this is where this is where i think social media can come quite complex in the sense of trust can be given out to anyone and everyone if we really wanted to but something it's something that i strongly believe uh, certainly now with the experience that i've got in life is that trust is something you need to earn it's not something you can kind of it's not something you can an overnight sort of thing so like when you first start chatting to someone online just because you see a picture doesn't mean that that person you're talking to is that person in the picture and my understanding is uh, that can happen quite a lot so that there are people out there that are actively uh, exploiting other people on a fairly routine basis either in order to extract money from them or personal details which could be sold on or other things, and that's happening kind of quite a lot on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes it might be happening without people knowing about it either. And you mentioned about the photo that had been used, that had been taken and used 
for another purpose. Um, yeah, and like I say, I was I was completely in the innocent, of course. And um, the reason why I got caught up in the matter is because someone had kind of reported that it was me when 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 I didn't know this person who had reported against me. Like I couldn't even tell you if they lived in in the area I do, let alone the same country. But obviously, the police need to investigate every every crime reported. Like it's 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 sort of like new like new news sort of thing. Indeed, and. Um... The way we're talking, Alan, it could really, I suppose, alarm people, couldn't it? And people who have maybe not used social media much might think, gosh, this is a terrible place. And I'm thinking about maybe trying to balance that out and think about what the benefits are, because you obviously use it for a reason. Um, and I wonder what those reasons are. What 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 would be the purpose of going on these sites or um, using these platforms? So I think it's a good way into sort of like staying in touch with family and friends, family and friends maybe that live a couple of miles up the road or maybe in another country or or like family and friends that obviously like migrate and go to different countries. Like mm. it is, I'm not saying that social media is bad and no one should use it because it's, it's not that way at all. It, um, social media is good if you use it for what it should be used for. And that's like communicating with friend, friends and family with pictures kind of updates posts and all that kind of thing and it shouldn't be shouldn't be used as a dating game or a way to befriend new friends it should be friends that you know and you want to stay connected with not not try and meet new people that you've never actually seen in real life before because like i say photos don't always give the identity of the person i think that's a really good point and and maybe one that we could of or take something from in terms of how to use the technology and maybe the importance of what you're saying Alan is after a brain injury dependent upon your circumstances and your situation that connectivity with other people can be really important it can be difficult to get and if you can't work or if you can't go to the places that you'd normally go to meet people then the internet might take on huge importance in your life yeah, like again, I agree with what you, you say there, Richard. I think certainly, again, referring to my kind of younger days, and obviously this was earlier to my my recovery kind of thing. I think that's when you're kind of at your most vulnerable, and you kind of think like the world's going to end and nothing's going to be the same again, and like meeting new people, whether it be boy, girl, friends, or partners. Like you think, oh, like it's it's, it's going to be such a hard, hard like thing for me to do, and it's. It's not really, and it's not about sort of like trying to. Um, it's not trying to like self seclude yourself to your own home, and you've got no one there. What what you've got to do is is you just you just need to kind of like be in the 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 right place, using the right apps um, at the right time. And like I say, social media is good if you're trying to kind of like stay in contact with friends and family, whether they're on holiday, whether you want to celebrate something, blah 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 blah. But then if you want. If you want to kind of date the opposite sex, the same sex, whatever, then there's dating apps for that again, and people are spe specifically go on there to date, hence the name of the dating app. I wonder what your thoughts are about those and if there are any particular tips that you could um, you could suggest for people that might be wanting to explore that those kinds of sites but maybe not feel confident or competent enough to do it 
So I would I would kind of take the approach to social media like the same way you would approach a dating site. So just because you start talking to someone, you haven't immediately got to kind of meet them because, again, just because you see a picture doesn't mean that picture is a person sat behind the screen, whether it would be a phone, a keyboard, like whatever. So it's, it's about kind of getting to know someone and getting to know them enough that you feel and kind of trust that you can meet them in person. And by this point, hopefully you would have kind of explained kind of what your differences are, disabilities if you both got them, kind of like your age and what you're looking for. So so when you do meet each other, it's not such a surprise. And it, it kind of feels like you've known that person for longer than however it is you've been speaking to them for. And then that's when you can really identify if that person in the photo that you started talking to is the person in front of you. But by that point as well, that might not make the difference because you you spoke to this person long enough that you've you've gained trust and obviously being vulnerable and, and brain injured kind of thing. Like I say, trust does need to be built up over a couple of months, not weeks. It's months. Oh, there's something there on about pace, isn't there? Almost trying to uh, slow the the process down a bit in order to to give you more time to get to know someone or to find out more information before you move on to the next stage. And I know certainly earlier in your recovery and slowing things down was sometimes quite hard because you'd want to do them more quickly. And maybe there was that issue around impulsivity about doing things so quickly that you hadn't given yourself enough time to think. Yeah, see, obviously in my younger days and my kind of early recovering stages and like I say, kind of wanting and sort of like needing that partner, um, like we say, I think the imp- the, Im- the impulsivity was kind of a bit more there in the sense of I think it all needed to happen before kind of yesterday when, when like you're saying, if, if you're going to try and find something and we're all kind of looking for love, love's not built over a week or a month. It can be built over a couple of years in some people's cases, but... But two people kind of talking together um, and who understand each other, like time isn't a question. It will happen when it's ready. If if two people kind of magnetic to each other, then clearly it's it's, it's meant to be kind of thing. But, But I think for a strong relationship, it should be built through time. Hmm. I'm just thinking about something related to what you were saying earlier. And I think you alluded to using um, certain social media sites. The one that I've got in my mind really is is particularly Facebook, uh, but it could include other ones as well, where people will portray a certain image of themselves and that might create a need for us to um, do the same. Or it might almost make us feel dissatisfied with our own lives. And I think there's increasing evidence that some of that can undermine our mental health so it can make us feel um, either inferior or deficient or inadequate and I just wondered if you can comment on those things because certainly in my experience of Facebook is that what people post on there is sometimes quite unrealistic but I don't know what you think. Yeah so again because because of the experience that I've gained through obviously my my experience of after the car accident and blah, 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 that everyone is kind of obsessed with kind of social media nowadays and everyone thinks they need to be on it and look their best and be tanned and this, that and the rest of it. And and everyone kind of like wants to be this, this particular idol that 
we all look the same and we all do the same and blah 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 but again using social media in the right way um and try not use it as oh i need to look like this person i need to look like that person i need to be as good as this person because we're all individuals we've all got our own advantages and disadvantages and we've all got we've all got our own qualities and negatives kind of thing but but try not kind of like use it as a competition site because it's it's not like that like use it to kind of express kind of how much fun you're having and the people you're meeting and if you're out on the beach in brighton maybe or on the beach in london or you're on the roller coasters and like in chessington and like like use it as like other people use it and it's like a daily come hourly uh newspaper like and showing people kind of like the fun you're having the people you're meeting the drinks and food that you're eating kind of thing like don't use it as a competition and try and be better than the next person because that's what not what life's about. It's about expressing the fun that you're having and the memories that you're making and the things that you're exploring. Yeah, and I think that competitive element that you talk about is really, for many people, quite difficult because they might feel pulled into having to compete and that might not be a positive thing for them because it, it makes us compare ourselves unfavorably with others. Um, and of course, the things that people put on there may be, as, as I implied earlier, very unrealistic. And then they might give a view of life that really none of us could really match up to, even if we even if we really wanted to. And one of the things that that reminds me of, which I'd really like to get your views about, is body image. Because what I see when I go on Facebook quite a lot is people posting pictures of themselves in in certain contexts, in certain ways, that makes people want to see them in a certain light. Um, and of course, now in the in, in this day and age where we can modify pictures, photos, we can do that quite easily now, whereas years ago we couldn't. Uh, that means that sometimes that picture is not even a realistic one of them. So it's very misleading, potentially. But I wondered what that felt like from the perspective of a younger person who um yeah sees friends or people on there um who might post pictures of themselves yeah so again you've got a you've got not use kind of like social media is is like a comparing website like oh what i kind of want his figure i want her figure i like i want hair that color want to look like this and want to be like that blah 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 like in my younger days obviously in uh, as a result of the car accident i i felt for quite a long time in my in my recovery and in myself that kind of one side was bigger than the other and one side wasn't as muscular as the other and this that and the rest of it but that's that's all just my perception on myself like when i ask other people whether it be family or friends they said oh like there's nothing wrong with you you're you're very like symmetrical know that arm and that shoulder and that peck and this that and the rest of it isn't bigger than that one it's all just kind of in your head um and it did take me quite a long time to kind of understand and realize sometimes what i see isn't what everyone else sees uh and 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 that's how i kind of i want people to kind of use facebook because just because you see someone in that light that person that you're looking at might not feel that good or that attractive or that happy in life it's all just a front in a way like again we don't know who's behind the screen and we don't know what actual um 
mood that that person's in like just because they're smiling in a photo doesn't mean that they're not depressed or suffering inside um but going by a a friend that i know um we got talking and um i said to him once that you you're only as good as the person you want to feel like in the sense of we can all sort of like train and go and see sun tanning beds and this that and the rest of it to kind of better ourselves but the only person that needs to feel good is yourself and you need to do everything that you can to make you feel better about yourself you don't need to compete with other people yeah i, I bet they're wise words uh, i think it's maybe sometimes we have to think about the advice we'd give other people and try and take it ourselves haven't we? i think as psychologists we're often not very good at that we can tell people that they should be doing things and we may not even do those things ourselves so I think that's a really good point and it got me to thinking there about the um that that kind of thing about detoxes so and whether or not you've ever had like a social media detox where you've just not gone on it because i know when i speak to some people they'll talk about that but that's their way of almost having a little bit of a break from those pressures or those things but um, what do you think about that? So, again, in my younger days, um, I used to find it very hard to kind of get rid of people because obviously being a nosy person like anyone in the normal world and I want to see what everyone's doing and what they're up to, um, I found it quite difficult to kind of let go. Um, but I've found in like recent years and um, when I'm feeling in a good place that there's some people that I don't need in life because I feel that they bring me down because of what I see them doing, like not because they're any better than me or they, they, they stand a bit, better way in life than me or anything like that, but just because, because I used to watch them kind of too much. Um, I felt that, that kind of, that had an impact on my, my, my self-confidence and my self-esteem. So I kind of I kind of grew a pair of balls if that's if that's the the terminology we want to use and um I actually become a man rather than a boy and I got rid of some of these people um to see what would happen and and I found that it had a very good um summary so at the end of it I was feeling better about myself I wasn't comparing myself like I just recently explained in the recording that we just done here that Life's not about comparing yourself; it's about making yourself happy, um, and to to get to get rid of some of these things that cause negativity, help me become more positive in life. So, like, basically, on my social media, quite a lot, you'll see me um, write posts and hashtag many kind of groups and that in, and it says, "I don't train to be better than the next person. I train, be- I train." to make myself better than who I was yesterday. That's, uh, I, I like that. It's a, very, um, it's a very measured view of thinking about why you would want to make yourself better and improve, isn't it? That, that self-improvement now is very much part of our culture. There's hundreds and hundreds of books about it. And of course, that's carried over to the internet now. So if you go onto the internet, there's lots of things being sold that are um, aimed at, trying to help people either improve their physical health or their mental health or both. And are those things, some of those things are really valuable, um, but I think it's about taking from it what helps you, isn't it, and what makes you feel better. And 
uh, what kind of adds to the value of your your life rather than making you feel dissatisfied um, or feeding in insecurities. That leads me on to something else, Alan, which is about what if you had to think about in, going back over the the past and and to the current day, what what things have helped when you talked about that kind of purge that you had about taking people off um, your social media so that you really didn't have those influences that you didn't really want or need. I wonder if there's any other things that you found that have been helpful. So it's certainly giving new things a troll in the sense of obviously I myself, like most people with a brain injury, won't won't like change and 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 will find it very like stressing to think about change and and maybe even stress even more once change has happened but sometimes a change can give a lot of positive um outcome it's not always as as negative as it sounds um so i just want like people that are kind of listening to this kind of like and 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 take the value from what i say here in the sense that sometimes changing the way in which we kind of maybe act or or compare ourselves to um can actually help us rather than rather than it be a negative so like i say like getting rid of people that i that i felt were kind of causing me to feel down and low and negative about myself once i kind of got rid of these like i felt like a like a brand new person and obviously, like I say, I, I didn't like change, so it took a long time for me to really want to make this change and get rid of those people. If 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 I didn't listen to therapists and kind of like um, experts and taking sort of certain medications, which then helped me realise that some things that I've, I've been doing for a long time because of this fear of change, um, like I don't think I would have. I don't think I'd be as, as as happy and as well as I am now if I didn't. If I didn't listen to the experts and then uh, was willing to change, do you think what you were saying earlier, Alan, about the almost removing yourself or removing other people from your social media? Um, how would people do that? Do you think what what are the criteria for doing that? I wonder, and how often should they do it? Yeah, I'm just wondering how that might work for people practically. Well, I don't think I don't think there's really a black and white sort of like um, instruction book that you have to do it like weekly, daily, hourly, monthly, yearly, anything like that. I think I think it all depends on. I would put it down to self mood, to be fair. And if you're noticing sort of like a certain trend or someone maybe that you're supporting or anything like that, that when they go on a on a social media, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter whatever like that and when they come off they like they they seem that they change a little bit in their personality and their characteristics so maybe they're feeling that bit lower or or they're not quite themselves or or anything like that then like my my kind of like sense of that would be they, they're seeing something online that maybe they're not feeling that they're either doing themselves or quite able to do themselves or not able to look like or anything of that that we look on social media like like we all kind of like get a bit of a thrill looking through social media, like I say, because it's like a, a constant news report of everyone else but ourselves. But if you're finding that your your mood 
dramatically changes after scrolling through any of these social medias, like I say, that you're feeling you're like different and your positivity uh, becomes more negative, then then I would say there's 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 a few things that you're that you're looking through that's affecting your mood. So to help change and better that, you need to remove whatever it is you're using to compare yourself to. Yeah, I was thinking you use that word thrill. I was thought was quite interesting because I think there's quite quite a bit of evidence now around the um was that the physiological changes that take place when people go on these sites. And they're sort of very similar to the things that might happen when we um engage in certain activities like sexual activity or gambling. So the thrill, I think thrill is a really good word. And some of those things um, that get released into our bloodstream that really kind of make us feel a little bit of a high. And then when we stop doing it, we want to go back and do a little bit more. And I think some of the social media platforms have been accused of exploiting that and using it in ways that really aren't that kind of helpful for people in terms of their um, psychological well-being. Um, so that thrill can be turned against people almost, whereas what you're describing is actually getting some of those benefits but feeling in control. And I think that distinction is really important because a bit like gambling and other kinds of addictions, if we don't feel in control, then that can become really probably quite dangerous. Talked at the very beginning about things that things related to social media and internet use as being dangerous and i think that's a good example yeah so i i use the term kind of thrill kind of like quite openly and quite broadly in the sense i, I could have used it i could have used a list of kind of words uh, but that was just kind of on the tip of my tongue and with what i was describing kind of thing but i think i think when we kind of get these thrills or these sort of like adrenaline rushes or like i say there's a list of terms that i could have used but when we kind of get this little excitement that kind of like runs through our veins and in our brain and blah 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 as we're scrolling through like you say as we're gambling as we're doing whatever kind of thing that's given us that that kind of bit of happy time then let's say um we that's when we become more vulnerable i think because everything of what we should be kind of like monitoring goes out the window and we kind of we go a bit we go a little bit blinkered um so we kind of we focus uh, too much on whatever it is we're looking at and we don't look at the vulnerabilities that we're setting ourselves up for. Mm, that's a good point. And I was thinking about dopamine. I don't know whether we talked about dopamine before, but it's one of those chemicals that is released into our brain and it's associated with this experience of thrill or pleasure. Um, and we know from research that, that they, those chemicals are released when, we, um, often when we're looking at certain things on, on social media or the internet. And then, of course, when we're not, then we feel that we need to go back and do that again to get those dopamine levels back up. So it's a little bit of kind of a, of a, a scary, potentially a scary and um, uncontrolled dynamic that might be released uh, by uh, the interaction between the technology and what's happening in our brains and our bodies. And before you were talking about certain social media platforms, I think you listed a few. And I just wondered if you've got thoughts about ones that might be particularly challenging for people or conversely, ones that might be um, easier for people to use. 
So I've, I've kind of narrowed my social media um, exploring, let's say, down to uh, specifically Instagram and Facebook, as I as I believe that these two social media platforms are the safest in the sense that you can set up your own sort of like shields to protect yourself from like people that you obviously want with a brain injury want to stay away from and sort of keep yourself clear of um at the same time if you have support workers or or parents that just kind of want to monitor kind of like what you're doing who you're doing it with and this that and the rest of it just as that kind of bit of backup but not because they want to be parents or again dictate what you're doing and what you can't do um to help yourself through a brain injury, it's 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 trying not to focus on too much of what you can't do, and focus more on letting people help you to enable what you can do. That's good. That sounds really good advice, and it's almost sort of more maybe good advice for other things too, in terms of sticking within certain boundaries and working with things that you know that you can. Um, that you can understand and uh, that you feel that you can manage. Um, if you're doing new things and you talked earlier about change, I thought that was a really good point, that for some people change is really difficult, particularly after a head injury. And maybe they're the kind of times where if people are introducing new things or doing new things, they might want to seek, I don't know, advice or think it through with friends or give themselves a bit more time before they launch into to using something. So I think they're really wise words. Um, and they might help people keep safe in this um, uncertain world. Because at the beginning, we talked a bit about uh, exploitation and vulnerability, didn't we? We did. That's right. I say this. I'm trying to help everyone not feel as vulnerable as they can make themselves if they don't use the correct tools to protect themselves. Yeah, I think it's that's been a really helpful discussion Alan. i think there are other organizations and services out there and i know we've thought before about maybe contacting one of those to participate in one of these discussions and blogs because that might help other people too um, in terms of signposting certain more specialist advice um information and support that people might be able to use particularly if they do run into problems but also by way of education to learn to prevent problems from happening in the first place. Thanks ever so much, Alan. As ever, it's been a really useful discussion. I feel I've, I always learn a lot when I have these conversations with you about your experience of um, using these kinds of things and different aspects of living um, after a brain injury. So um, thanks ever so much and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for your time, Richard, and I look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.